You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Good morning, East Point Church. Merry Christmas to you guys. Merry Christmas. It is so good to be with you for this second week of Advent. Did anybody else notice that truck outside? Can we give a huge shout out to our, our outreach team who have organized such a tremendous Christmas outreach? And then just to you guys, I mean, thank you guys for your generosity. There are over 120 people who on Christmas morning will be opening up gifts and baskets and just having a fantastic Christmas because people like you who are loved by God, genuinely love other people. And so I just, as as one of your leaders, I just applaud you and thank you and bless you for your generosity. I just, what we've been praying as a team, we've been praying that on Christmas morning, that when these children, when these women, when they open up baskets, when these families partake in these group presents, that they would be getting more than a bike. There's no bike in here, but I did see somebody rolling a bike across the street. How cool is that, right? When they open up their bikes, when they open up their bags and their baskets and their helicopters and their remote control cars, that they would get more than a toy this holiday season, but that they would feel hope, amen? That these presents would emanate and radiate hope, that they would know because of the simple plastic that we love them with, right? The simple toy that they would know better days are possible, and that there is more to this world than darkness. And so as they open up those presents on Christmas morning, I actually think that that's kind of a picture of how our hope works, isn't it? Like if you think of your deepest hopes, if you trace back in your deepest longings, the thing that you are aching for in your soul, typically that hope can be traced back to something, okay? When we say hope, we're not just talking about a vague, general sense of, I'm just kind of hoping for something better. No, there's usually a specific object that we are hoping for. There is something tangible, something concrete that we are longing for. There is an object of our hope. And so for a moment, if you would just play this game with me, I love to play fill in the blank. All right, how many of you enjoy a good Mad Libs? I just, I'm, I'm owning that season of life. I got three beautiful little boys, and we, I, I subscribe to highlights. Any highlight magazine fans? Love me some good highlights. And so I get into it, but there's a game, right, where you fill in the blank with a verb or a noun or an adjective. I want you to fill in the blank for me in, in order to help us find the object of our hope. If only blank, man, life would be better. Man, if, if only I was married, man, like I would have everything I needed, right? If only I had a better job, that's what it is. If I just, if I had a better job, I mean everything, just man, then I would be there. You know what I mean? Man, if I had a raise, I just, just one more raise, if I just had a little bit more income, I just, a little bit more money, if only, just, ah, that's all I need. If only I had a house. If only we had a better candidate running for office. If, if only that law would have passed and the vote went my way. No, you know what it really is? If only, man, if only I had more time. Right? If, if I had more time, I mean, life would just click. My world would be perfect if only I had more time. Man, if the economy, am I right? 
If only the economy, then all of our problems would be fixed. If only my spouse would just... (laughs) If only my children could... (sighs) If my parents would only stop... (sighs) How do you fill in the blank? What is the object of your hope? What is it that you are looking to with anticipation saying, if only I could unwrap this? Everything would be taken care of. My life would be better. It would click, and I would be living the life that I was meant to be living. If only, if only. How many of you know our world needs hope right now? Our world needs hope. Many of you in this room, you need hope. But what do we put our hope in? How do we fill in the blank? What what do we designate as the object of our hope? Is there hope out there? Is there something that can withstand the weight of our hopes and expectations without just crumbling and disappointing us? What is it that we are hoping in? And so for, for a few moments this morning, I want us to just go to a passage in the Bible and I'll just tell you, it was a very bleak time in Israel's history, okay? They needed hope. They needed a lot of hope. We're going to a time in Israel's history where they are on the brink of being destroyed by a global superpower called Assyria. And so in this devastating time, in this hard season of life, a prophet emerges. A messenger comes forward and he tells them that hope is not dead because they can fill in the blank. He comes to a weary nation. He comes to a beleaguered people. And he says that there is hope. And as a matter of fact, the hope that you can have is a hope that is large enough for the whole world. Are you ready to hear a message of hope this morning? We turn to Isaiah chapter 11 and we begin in verse 1. This is God's message of hope for you, East Point Church. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor. And decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist. And faithfulness the belt of his loins. We pause there. The prophet arises to a weary people. And he says, a weary world is promised a righteous king. Israel, weary people, take heart for a king is coming. And we see that this king will come from David's family tree. How many of you have ever done a study of your family tree? I'm just curious. You ever do the, you go back, how many of you know the names of your grandparents? Okay, if you're not raising your hand. (laughs) Oh man, you better check that Christmas card list, all right? How many of you know the names of great-grandparents? At least one. Really? Wow. I should have started, how many know who your parents are, okay? (laughs) You better pick up that phone this week, somebody, all right? Great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents? Wow, so you've done some work, right? 
You see, it's very popular today. Have you ever done the, the 23andMe or the Ancestry.com, right? And it's very popular. You can study your roots. You can trace your family tree backward to see what do you have in your history. But what if there was a program out there called 23andThem where you can trace forward in your family tree? Can you imagine if they could look in your DNA, they could trace your family tree forward and tell you what your grandchildren would be like? Would you actually want to take that test? I mean, like, hey, alert, your grandchildren will ruin the world. I'm like, awesome, you know, like, I don't know if I'd want to know that. But that's kind of what's happening here this morning. We see a family tree here. He takes us to David's family tree, and we see that the stump is Jesse. That's King David's dad. So we're looking at King David's family tree. But he busts out the family tree. He takes out the, the picture here, not to trace us backward to the roots. He actually points forward to the future. And he points forward to a future where from this family tree will come a branch. There will be a shoot. There will be fruit. In other words, there is a descendant who is coming. There is a baby who will be born in this family tree. And this descendant, I don't know about your grandkids. I'm not here to tell you that. But this descendant will be special. Why? Because the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now, in David's family tree, they're very familiar with this language. This is king language. Whenever the Lord selected a man to be king, it says that he put his spirit on him. And what they would do is they would, they would literally pour oil over his head. Not the essential oils that you put in your diffuser. No peppermint here, okay? Good old olive oil. And they poured over his head, and the oil would drip down his beard, and it would go onto the hem of his garments as a physical picture of a spiritual reality. And what the picture was, it says you are dripping with the favor, the power, and the presence of God. You are God's chosen king, clothed with and empowered by God's spirit. And so, Israel, in your family tree is coming a king. A king is coming. And he will be different than the kings that you've experienced because the presence of God's spirit will permeate his rule. The spirit of God is a spirit of wisdom and understanding. Therefore, this king is going to lead with such wisdom and insight, even into the most complex situations of life. That he is going to be filled with the spirit of counsel and might, which means he will be empowered to lead with the strength and strategy of heaven itself. This is a wise king. This is a mighty and powerful king. And the spirit that is on him will give him knowledge to how life really works. And it will empower him to walk in the fear of the Lord. I don't know what kind of leaders you have followed in your life. I don't know what you could consider the top ten traits of a great leader. But I'm here to tell you that the king that is coming from this family line is unlike any leader or king you've ever seen. Unrivaled unparalleled, a phenomenal leader. And Israel, they may think this is too good to be true, but he keeps going. He says, this king not only will be of impeccable character, he will lead with integrity and righteousness. You see, many people in this world, many rulers and leaders, they lead based on their personal preference. Many leaders lead based on what will get the most likes at the polls, right? They're doing it to earn favor. But we see that this man, this king, he will walk in the fear of the Lord, meaning the delight of his heart. 
The the source of his leadership, the fuel of his reign is an all-consuming passion to please the Lord. Other kings are trying to earn man's approval. He's living for God's pleasure. And so when he speaks, when he decides, when he weighs in with kingly authority, he's not doing it based on what his eyes see. He's not doing it based on what his ears hear. Meaning, have you, ever, have you ever heard one side of the story and just taken it hook, line, and sinker, right? And you're like, oh my goodness, I can. and you pick up their offense, and you're with them, and you say, I can't believe you could be so wronged, and, and like you're weeping with them. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, how dare they? And then you, at some point, you hear the other side of the story, and you think to yourself, are we even talking about the same situation, right? There's a proverb that says, there is a way that seems good to man, and then you hear the other side of the story, and you're like, oh. You see, in those moments, we realize that our perception, our eyes and our ears are fallible, and we are susceptible to persuasion. We're perceptible to false narratives. Not so this king. He's not susceptible to limited perspectives and persuasion. He is immune to bad takes. He is allergic to bribes. He is above the narratives and the bickering because when he leads, he leads with objective righteousness and perfect equity. He sees clearly and he leads with authority. When he wakes up in the morning and brushes his teeth, He walks into his wardrobe and he gets dressed with the belt of righteousness. The very thing that holds up his whole outfit is righteousness and faithfulness. This is a leader of all leaders. And so I'm not sure what kind of leaders you have seen in your life, East Point Church, but I'm here to tell you that this king, he's just different. And I imagine that as Israel hears about this king, as as they're pointed forward down into the future of their family tree, I imagine that their heart swells with hope because this is exactly what they've needed. You see, you got to realize the reason they are where they are is because they have experienced a string of bad king after bad king after evil king after corrupt king after bad king. If you just go back one chapter, Isaiah chapter 10, listen to what God said to the leaders. Woe to those who decree iniquitous decrees and the writers who keep writing oppression to turn aside the needy from justice and to rob the poor of my people of their right, that widows may be their spoil and that they may make the fatherless their prey. Israel has lost all hope that they will ever be led well. They know how it goes. They know the saying, liberty and justice for all who can afford it. Liberty and justice for all who have friends in high places. They've just come to accept this is the way it is in the world. Leaders will always look out for number one. Lawmakers will always write laws to their advantage. They are literally people who will prey on the most vulnerable of our society. The poor don't receive a fair hearing. The vulnerable are taken advantage of. It's just how it is, and it will always be this way. They resign. And yet the prophet comes forward, and he says, but this king will be different. This is a king that you can trust. This is a king 
that you can follow. Under his rule, the poor experience justice. The vulnerable are defended. This is a king who never turns a blind eye toward the wicked. There's no escaping from him. There's no bribing him. For with the breath of his mouth, his word comes like a rod of iron. And he judges the wicked. Hope is not dead, for the king is coming. We are right there with them, friends. We, are, we, we know how it is. We are weary, are we not, of judges who can be bought. We are weary of leaders who lie to us. We are weary of politicians who perform for us. We have been let down enough to be colored skeptical. And maybe you're even here this morning, and the thought that there's someone out there who has your best interest at mind with no ulterior motives, maybe that even sounds a little bit too good to be true. And yet, just like Israel, our world, just like Israel, you and me in this room, we need a leader. I need a leader to show me the way. It's just so often this world, just it leaves you right, just searching and groping for the best way forward, right? You listen to three podcasts and you get five opinions. You talk to two friends and you get four pieces of advice. You read three different books and there's five different people disagree. And we're just so often going, which way do I go? How do I navigate my marriage in a way that will make this work? Is there a way forward in my parenting with the way that my children are right now? We need someone who who can show us how to carry the burdens of this life in a way that doesn't break our back and cause us to crumble under the weight and the pace and the pressure. We need a leader who can teach us, grab us by the hand, and teach us how to navigate not only the darkness of this world, but how to escape the darkness in our own hearts. We need a leader worth following who will not let us down that we can trust. And so what if, what if the object of your hope this morning wasn't a better candidate, wasn't more money, wasn't that house, wasn't the raise, wasn't your more educated, what if the object of your hope this morning could also be this king, the king that was promised to a weary Israel who would lead with wisdom, who could lead you with strength and the fear of the Lord. What would it be like if that king was the object of your hope? So as the prophet continues, he starts to paint a picture of what the culture is like in this king's kingdom. Look what he says in verse 6. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire. 
and his resting place shall be glorious. A warring world will become a haven of peace when the king comes. Have you ever tried to describe something or an experience or, or a dynamic? You try to describe it and you're like, it's just, it defies description. I, I don't even have the words. And so typically in those situations, we find that some things are better shown with art than described with prose. You know what I'm talking about? It's like Valentine's Day, right? Like, baby, 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 baby. I could have written you a long card describing my love for you, but I just drew you a picture or I wrote you a poem because it's just easier to describe it. How many poets in the room? How many artists, creatives? You don't get what I'm talking about then. All right, let me show you. The, uh, the, the, not the artist, the prophet. The prophet wants to describe the culture of the kingdom, but he says it just defies words. It will blow your mind what life will be like in the kingdom. It's so good, it's, it's, I can't describe it, so let me just show it to you. And he says, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And you're like, yeah, yeah, all right? You're like, I'm not getting it yet. He's like, let me tell you, it's like, it's like the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. Mm. You feel it? My goat lovers? He's describing and he's taking a picture and, and he goes on. And in each line, we see a pair of the most dangerous, vicious animals paired with the most vulnerable animals. And then he, he climaxes in the most vulnerable pair of all, the picture of a nursing child sitting outside a cobra's den. In this picture, these pairs are not destroying each other. They're eating together. They're, they're lying down together. They're grazing the land together. We got bears hanging out with fattened calves and, and weaned children hanging out with adders. And it's like, you read this picture and you go, man, that is fantasy land. That is not the way it is. And it will never be that way. That is such a bizarre picture. We know that these things don't go together. And you lean into the imagery and, and how many of you realize Israel at the time of this writing, they feel like the fattened calf sitting before the lion of Assyria, don't they? How many of you have ever felt vulnerable like a lamb before a wolf? How many of you have ever felt as helpless and as powerless as a young goat trying to outrun a leopard? How many of you have ever felt so unstable and vulnerable and just insecure as a baby? in front of a cobra that lifts its hood. But here's the beautiful point of this picture. Here's what the prophet is trying to say with this bizarre picture. Because it's a picture of hope. Here's his point. The jungle of life that is so often marked by conflict, hostility, danger, violence, and brokenness. The jungle of life will one day be transformed into an unimaginable haven of peace. There's a day coming where the categories of predator and prey will disappear and all will know peace. It's coming when the king reigns. 
That's the culture of his kingdom. And some of you guys are here and and your response to that is, when that is fantasy land, that level of peace doesn't exist. That's just not the way the world works. There is no comfort like that. There is no hope for my marriage. There is nothing I could look forward to with my parents. There is just nothing. That's not the way it is. This is fantasy land. And the prophet says to you, not on his watch. Under his leadership, in his kingdom, he will bring an end to the hostility. He will bring an end to the violence. He will bring an end to broken relationships, an end to oppression and injustice, an end to the posturing and pretending. He will bring an end to the striving when the king comes. The culture in his kingdom, friend, will be permeated with peace and comfort and joy and contentment and love, unlike anything you've ever experienced that this world can offer. It is like an alternative reality. He says, Israel, hope is not dead because the king is coming. The king is coming. And so as we look at the jungle, right, this, this zoo, I just picture, you know, the, you know how there's a, there's a child in there? That's my child, by the way. Like, when I bring my children to the zoo, right, like, I just know, like, this is not a hypothetical when I say don't go in there. Like, you would think that's assumed, right? No, 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 my child is in there riding the lion, you know what I mean? And he's three. But he takes us to the zoo, not, not to have a field trip. He takes us here with this picture to say, Israel, hope is not lost. I know you're scared, but better days are ahead. And so I ask you, friend, what do you fear? What are you scared of right now? Honestly, like, what are the fears in your life that threaten to steal your peace and security? Where do you feel most vulnerable? Where do you feel like a child that is playing by the den of a cobra? Is it physical? Physical circumstances in your life? Is it, is it emotional? Are they relational fears? I'm here to tell you that the king who is clothed with the spirit of might is a refuge for all who come to him. Under his leadership, the things that pose a great threat to you now, he says, under my leadership, those things will neither hurt nor destroy you. In his kingdom, it's just different. It's different. And so Israel, have hope. Hope is alive. Because the king is coming. And so good for Israel, right? I'm, I'm happy for Israel. I am happy that a few thousand years ago that they had a message of hope for their situation. But what does that have to do with my situation? Sam, I appreciate the enthusiasm. I appreciate the, the holiday spirit. I appreciate the, the cheer em up em. But you don't know what's happening in my family. You know what's happening in my world. You don't know what I'm experiencing right now. And so I'm glad for Israel, but what does that have to do with me? Why is this more than empty words and nice holiday sayings? And here's the reason. The king from Israel is not just for Israel. He's the king of the whole world. 
You see, in this final few verses here, we realize that his reign, that his jurisdiction, that the scope of his influence goes way beyond Israel. The prophet tells us, he says in verse 10, in that day, in that day, when he comes, it's not just Israel that will benefit. In that day, because of his leadership, people all over the earth will have their lives changed. We've been talking about Israel on the map. And yet, this this descendant is so profound that when he comes, it's not just Israel that he'll target. It says the earth will be transformed because the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. All over the world, people's lives will be changed by this Jewish king. All over the world, the weary and hopeless will come to him. All over the world, people who are tired and heavy laden and burdened, they will come and experience his glorious resting place. Anybody have a good resting place in their house? How many of you have that chair? Or maybe that corner of the couch with that blanket? You know what I'm talking about. It's the place where all of the fears go away and you just go, I'm here. Well, I'm here to tell you that your resting place has nothing on his resting place because all who come to him, he puts in that place of peace and rest. It's not just Israel, friends. It says here, it's the nations. That's you. That's me. In 1000 BC and in 2023 AD. There's hope for us. So how does this work? How is it that this king from Israel can rule and change the world? How is it that this king that is from Jesse's family tree, how is it that that, that's actually real enough for you and I? Well, here's the plot twist. Here's where the prophet just so subtly slips something in here that if you weren't even paying attention, you missed it, but it's the key to the whole thing. You see this king... He will bring his hope to the whole world because he's not really from Israel. Israel is from him. Take one last look at the family tree, right? We saw who the stump, what was the guy's name on the stump? Jesse, the patriarch of the family. And then he had David and then, you know, boom, boom, boom. And it goes all over. And we know that this king was supposed to be a branch. This king was supposed to be a descendant. He's a great, 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 great grandson. And yet, at the very end, he pulls back out the family tree and he says, and so, as I was saying, this king, the root of Jesse. And he flips the family tree on its head. And he says, no, no, no. I know this king will be a descendant from David. But he's actually the God of David. He's actually the root of the source of it all, the founder of this family. He's not just David's descendant. He's actually David's Lord. For this king that will come is God himself. Hope is not dead because this king is coming. That's the hope of the world. The king of the world. And so maybe you're here this morning and you enjoy the royal family. Anybody, how many of you get all giddy when there's a royal wedding? Not me, I'm just kidding. But I see you, okay. 
royal wedding or, or if there's a royal baby, right, when the royal family has a baby, right, and, or a coronation. Come on, how many of you are tuning into that? I see you. I know you, all right? And so here's the thing. When you have an heir, when you have a descendant who is about to be born, with this much anticipation, with this much longing and expectation, you would expect this child to be born with all of the pomp and circumstance of the royal family, right? Like the world should be watching and awaiting the birth of this child. Well, the baby was born, but he didn't have any pomp and circumstance. He was born in a manger, surrounded by fattened calves and oxes and lambs, and drummer boys. He was born in a manger, and his name was Jesus. And the Bible doesn't allow us to think of this as coincidence. The Bible makes sure that we don't miss it. That we don't, ah, that's not the king we were talking about. Where is he? No, there is no mistaking it. This king that was just born, this is the one. This is the king. This is the descendant of David. We see that when he emerges, he grows up and he comes on the scene. And what happens? The spirit of the Lord comes upon him, anointed with the spirit. And he's dripping with the presence, power, and favor of the Lord as if heaven itself said, this is my son, this is my king. And then what did that king do? What are the first recorded words of Christ in the gospel? He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus, King Jesus, shows up on the scene. He says, hey, y'all remember that? Remember that time we've been talking about where the hope is alive because the, king, the kingdom is coming? Remember all, all the, the years of looking forward to the coming king and his kingdom and his culture and his ways? He goes, y'all, it's time. The time is fulfilled. It's go time. Why? Because the king is here. He self-identifies. I am the king you've been looking for. And then he says it so clearly. Verse 17, he says to the disciples in a boat, and Jesus said to them, follow me. The king is here. The kingdom has come. Follow me. East Point Church, hope is not dead because that king is alive. We are here at East Point Church because we believe, literally, we believe that Jesus Christ, King that was awaited for years and centuries, that he's alive. That he has saved us, that he has brought us into relationship with himself, that we are now in his family. And that even you this morning, that you can come and experience life under his rule and under the reign of this king. You can declare him to be the king of your heart. And to follow him with your life, you can come and experience the culture and the atmosphere of the kingdom. You can come and be joined to the community of the king. You can come and receive the king's pardon and be forgiven. You can come and be filled with the king's spirit. Friends, there is hope this morning because this king invites you to come and to be in relationship with him. He invites you to come. And follow him as he teaches you. And he will lead you by the hand. And he will show you a way to navigate the things in this world that the world will never offer you or teach you. King Jesus invites you to come and, and to get some tutelage under him. He'll teach you how to live out, not according to the broken patterns of this world, 
not according to the pathologies that we've all inherited from our family of origin, not according to the shadow side of our personality and our own weaknesses and flaws. He goes, I will show you how we do things in the kingdom of God. I'll show you what marriage is like in my culture. I'll show you what parenting is like in my culture. I'll show you what friendship looks like in my culture. I'll show you what stewardship looks like in my culture. I'll show you what a good work ethic looks like in my culture. I'll show you what rest looks like in my culture. I'll show you what feasting looks like in my culture. I will show you how we do in the culture of the kingdom. Follow me and I will lead you in ways of peace. Follow me and I will lead you in ways of righteousness. I will make the dead places live again. I will be your God and you will be my people. Hope is not dead because the king is alive. And the kingdom is here. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom is at hand. And yes, we still experience brokenness in this current phase because though the kingdom has come, guess what? There's a day coming where Jesus will return and he will consummate the kingdom. And there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. Because what we are tasting now in little appetizers, right? When we come together like this, look around the room. You know what this is? This is an embassy. This is an outpost. This is just like a glimpse of what our reality will be like for all of eternity. And he invites you to come. Hope is not dead because the king is alive. And so we end with my little game, if you don't mind. As you leave this morning, as you look for hope, as you rest the weight of your expectations on something, how will you fill in the blank? And this morning, the prophet makes it very clear. Put your hope in the king, and his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you, Lord. We love you that you do not leave us to our own devices. You do not leave us to the darkness, but you have come to rescue us on a, on a rescue mission to bring us back into the fold of God. And so, Lord, we just say with one voice, thank you for King Jesus. Thank you that we have a leader that we can follow with our lives, that we have a king that we can trust with all of our stuff. I pray that you would help us every day to bow the knee to the king. Forgive us for the ways that we take back control. Forgive us for the days that we just want to be our own ruler. But Lord, we humbly submit to you. You are our king. Show us your ways. Show us our shortcomings. Convict us of our sin. Lead us into paths of peace and righteousness and contentment as we follow your way. We pray all of this in Jesus' precious name. And the church said, We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.